where I saw the leprechaun. Right, a leprechaun. He told me to burn things. Uh-huh. Oh, Lord, Ryan figured out he can add Simpsons clips to the show. Well, get used to that, I guess. Hope you like Ralph. Anywho, spoiler warning for all things Firestarter. And mature content warning, this episode the guys discuss pedophiles and sexual assault. Gross. Episode 20 of the Horror of Babylon, where we are discussing Firestarter 2 Rekindled. I am Ryan, and with me as always is Daniel. Say hi, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. So, I don't know about you, but I'm excited to talk about this thing. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to talk about Firestarter 2. Okay, so just a little bit of background. I couldn't actually find much on the production of this, which, you know, I'm not terribly surprised about. Uh, but it was produced in 2002 by the Sci-Fi Channel. It's a Sci-Fi Channel original. It was filmed in Utah. Takes place in Colorado. I could not find the budget. I tried to find what the budget was. Can't find it. Uh, Whatever it was, it was too much. <laughs> or it was too little. Um, there's not really... I couldn't find any, like, real, like, critical reviews or, like, any YouTube videos talking about... The production of this thing like any content that is out there about this is basically just talking about how, how shitty it is yeah okay, much yeah. like the miss tv show yeah uh so it was directed by robert iskov which he did the she's all that from 1999 which was that romantic comedy with freddie prince jr he did the dark angel tv movie he did the TV pilot for the Flash 1990 series. That is a great show. <laughs> and it was written uh, by Philip Eisner, who did the film Sweet Girl that has Jason Momoa and Mutant Chronicles, which has Ron Perlman in it. Okay. So jumping right into structure and themes, I feel like the first thing you really have to talk about is the retconning it does right at the beginning of the movie i feel this movie should have just called itself fire starter rekindled because fire starter 2 implies continuity so this is one thing i was actually able to find okay when it was released on sci-fi it was fire starter rekindled if you uh, see that the, would have been so much better if you see the the poster here okay. there's no two the two was added for the dvd release whoever's idea that was i hate them well, I'm, you can see, like, a producer saying, like, we just need to do that so we can sell more DVDs. So we can get, so we can try to make some of this money back. Yeah. So, but, I mean, obviously, like, the Sci-Fi Channel didn't have the rights to the movie. They couldn't use clips from the movie for the flashbacks. They had to reshoot that stuff. I think, I if I personally would have been in charge, I would have written around it as if it could have been. A sequel to the I would movie. have written around it 
and I wouldn't have done flashbacks. I would have just assumed that if you're seeing this movie, you're familiar with Firestarter. Yeah, and she could have, there could have been an exposition piece when she's, uh, you know, meeting Vincent yeah. and, and explaining what's going on. Um, but there is some retcon in this movie that I feel works, but we'll get to that when we talk about characters. But I did just want to throw out those those initial like scenes in the beginning were really awkward mm-hmm. and just kind of starts the series with like a bad taste for me it kind of it, a bad taste in my it, mouth. It, it immediately set my mood yeah there was something there's a couple things that put my mood a little back and forth but we'll get to that I I'll go ahead and say I don't hate this I I think there's a lot of good and I think there's a lot of bad it's kind of a mixed bag <clears throat> kind of similar to the stand miniseries mm which, you know, isn't great. I think maybe I even like this a little better, but... <laughs> All right, we'll get there. I guess this isn't Phantoms. Which is <laughs> it is. I will rank this higher than Phantoms. I will I... rank this higher than Phantoms. Okay, so what themes from the book and the original film do you think were best carried over into this miniseries? I was going to say hormone allegory, but they kind of just go balls to the walls with it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're Charlie little... is so horny. They, they they make uh, the puberty allegory a little bit more explicit. Uh, she's getting all hot and bothered. <laughs> uh, government overreach is still in here. Yep. Uh, human experimentation, that sort of stuff. Although the shop, so the, one they never call them the shop, mm-hmm. and two they're not a government agency. They're a private company. I almost feel like I would have liked this movie better if it would have just called itself X-Men. <laughs> there are a lot of X-Men comparisons. Um, so, yeah. Uh, let, let's just go ahead and jump into characters. So, first we got Charlie McGee, the Firestarter, of course, played by Marguerite Moreau, who I love from Wet Hot American Summer. Probably my favorite comedy. <laughs> what, was that, what was that title again? Wet Hot American Summer. Okay. It's it's a teen sex movie. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't, I never like do much research for these. That's more of a Ryan thing. But hearing that title, because when I saw this movie, uh, when I saw all of Charlie's scenes, I was like, I wonder if this girl's done any porn. It was like the first thought in my head. I don't know. Maybe. Let's. But if she's done like a teen sex comedy, that's, well, that almost translates for me. That was. That movie, that was her first movie she did, like, right out of film school. And it was, like, a super low-budget movie. It's a cult comedy classic. Uh, Did, let me see if she's ever done porn. Let's just Google it. Did Marguerite Moreau ever do porn? (laughs) I love the level of research we are willing to go to. And it does not look like she, she, she seemed like she could act getting really into it is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, uh, she conveyed a woman who really just wants to be fucked in a parking lot right this second very well. Yeah. I mean, it never says <laughs> it, that Charlie's a virgin. Yeah. But you gotta imagine she probably is. If, if she sets something on fire every time she gets hot and bothered, probably. It really reminded me of that scene from the, uh, the Ed Norton incredible hulk mm-hmm. where him and Liv tyler are trying to have us have sex and he's just, i can't i just can't and that and that's the thing it's like uh you and you know me saying that people are probably going oh that doesn't sound that hard Tr- you know what 
you try to act like a horny woman in a parking lot. It's not that easy. No, I, I like her. I think she did a good job. Um, I, I thought she, this was a logical conclusion of how Charlie would grow up. If you assume that going to the press, like she tried to do at the end of the book and the end of the movie, if you assume that went badly... And I assume that she went to the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Uh, if you and she's kind of been like on the run, on her own, like her whole life. This is the kind of life she's led. Then I thought this was a great portrayal of what Charlie would be—somebody who doesn't trust people, who has trouble getting intimate, but at the same time, it's fucking it corny. Yearns for a relationship <laughs> yeah. and sex. Um, I I thought she did a good job. I will say that I think she did a good job with the material she had to work with. Yeah, and the problems... I, this movie it, has Matthew McDowell. There's good actors in this movie. Yeah, it, the cast isn't the issue. There are issues no. with the script, and then obviously they had budgetary restrictions. Yeah. It's also a, a sci-fi channel original miniseries and from those, 2002. Those are always great. <laughs> yeah. We should turn this into a sci-fi original podcast. No. Um, so our next character is a new character who is not in the book or the movie. Vincent. Vincent, Vincent Forza, played by Danny Nucci, who every... I've seen this twice now, and both times it's like, I swear to God, I have seen him in something. And both times I look at his IMDb page, and I'm like, I've seen this guy in nothing. But he just has this face where I swear to God, I've seen him in something. Okay, he was in Titanic, but... He, he looks a lot more mature in his ID, IMDb picture. Well, yeah, I mean, because this thing was made 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm guessing this is a recent Probably picture. a more recent picture. Uh, when I was watching this movie, I was like, they should have replaced this guy with the American Pie Kid. Which American Pie Kid? That's the main character. Oh, Jim? <laughs> yeah, they should. Jim? <laughs> Jim should have been Vince. <laughs> 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 that's how I that's how I kept picturing the whole movie, dude. I'm sitting there going I feel like this guy's trying to be Jim. I wish this was Jim. <laughs> or if it was if they replaced him with Stifler. <laughs> I'd rather it be Jim awkwardly trying to get in Charlie's pants the entire movie. Or Finch. Yeah. <laughs> or any of them, really. Uh no, I thought I thought he was fine, but he's definitely like of the main characters, he's the least He's no Jim. <laughs> he's no Jim. Yeah, okay. Jim's like, I'm sorry, Nadia. I, I can't I can't go with you on this trip. I have to chase after Charlie. <laughs> oh, Jim. Oh, um, okay, so I think, let's just talk about Rainbird, played by Malcolm McDowell, who, I, who is a great character actor. I primarily identify him with uh, the villain from Star Trek Generations. He's the dude in Clockwork Orange, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I that's what I'm usually picturing him as. So, he plays John Rainbird. He and, is the whitest Indian. So, there's a lot to talk about. Let's start with that. They they make him white instead of Indian, which I have mixed feelings about cuz one him being Indian is not super important to his character. But it's also not like the best representation, the yeah, pedophile it's, Indian. It's not it's also not a sensitive representation, like you said. But, but, but when is it ever a good idea to take a character of color and make them white? Um, the Ring movie. 
Okay. Sure. <laughs> uh, I guess if you get Malcolm McDowell to play them, that's... I think I think Malcolm McDowell gets a pass. So they also make him a scientist instead of an assassin. Mm-hmm. I feel like they wanted to combine like six or seven different dudes. Like, we want Cap to have survived, but we also want Rainbird to have survived, or Hawkstetter. Let's just make them the same guy. And that's the other thing, is he's alive and not dead. Yeah. Um, so, all of these things on paper sound bad. I think this character actually kind of worked for me. Part of the reason why it worked is, is two things. They got to revive some elements from the book that weren't super prevalent in the original movie. This creepy sexual way he talks about it, Charlie. That, that is one. And the other is his relationship with kids. Have you tickled her back until she's fallen asleep? He was sniffing her clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so, as good as George C. Scott was in the original movie, this, to me, is a lot closer to Rainbird in the book because he's more of a creep. Let that be a lesson to you. If you want someone to play your pedophilic character, get a white guy. <laughs> yep. No men do pedophilia like white men. Yeah, just ask the Spartans. <laughs> I... <laughs> He's speechless. Well, this you were complaining in the movie episode because they, they took out all the, the creepy pedophile stuff. Yeah. And now it's back. What do you think? Oh, no. I, I was there for it. Yeah. I was like, uh, honestly, when you're writing a movie or a book or something, and your themes are like coming of age and puberty and hormones, it almost insists upon itself to have a creepy character. It insists upon itself. Yeah. It, it almost begs for there to be at least one creepy character. And if he's not the main villain, he's some side dude who makes a girl uncomfortable or something. Uh, there's a shit ton of characters like that in it. Yes. All of them. And I, and it's not to say that, you know, kids deserve any of that, of course. It's that no. when you're writing these sorts of situations, it sort of attracts those sorts of characters. And when you take it out, it almost feels like there's something missing. There's this sort of creepy element that people have to deal with growing up that has been removed. They even include the line uh, where he says, I want to know her. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody there to, to call him on it, like in the book. But I, I honestly think that if Stephen King were to either write this book again or to have written it as Bachman, Rainbird would have just been a pedophile. Uh, that I stand by that statement because he was basically just written as one, but there's a couple lines thrown in there to go. No, 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 he doesn't want to do that. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want to jump the gun too much here, but I feel like it's appropriate to talk about it with Rainbird. I think the ending of this miniseries is kind of ballsy for a, a few different reasons, but one of them is essentially the villain gets everything he wants. <laughs> he gets everything that he wants. I, I want to see God, Charlie. <laughs> Make me see God. She even fucking kisses him. Yes. <laughs> Which, all right, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the ending when, when we get through. Um, just a couple more characters. This, again, is a very small, like, intimate cast. And I, there are, you know, there are some characters, but not most of them aren't worth talking about. Uh, so, James Richardson 
uh, played by Dennis Hopper of Westerns fame. He plays another test subject from the Lot 6 experiments. They basically turn him into Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Where he can see all of time. At once. At once. And I, I did this thing. Why did you do this thing? Because I was supposed to do this thing. This, I always it, do this thing. Because it's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. That, are you going to? Am I going to go save him? You're going to try. <laughs> He's going to die. They and they but tell you still go do it. You still do it. Yeah. These kinds of characters usually piss me off, and I feel like maybe it's because I'm too dumb to to understand. <laughs> you're, you're you don't understand the intelligence of the Alan Moores. <laughs> that I mean, that's the like I like Watchmen, mm-hmm. but Doctor Manhattan just. Pisses me off. Have you read uh, Doomsday Clock yet? No, but I want to. I'll, I'll lend it to you because they kind of subvert that. Like, the whole point is, I'm going to subvert the way Dr. Manhattan sees the universe. A lot of people don't like it. I think it was the last good thing that DC Comics wrote. Doomsday Clock? Yes. I've got the new Batman Black Label, but I haven't read it yet. Batman, one dark night. Do we get to see his ass in this one? You get to his see dick. his cock in the original. Yeah. yeah. And that one have you seen? Good. Have you seen what that that sells for now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm. I was still working at a comic book store when that came out. I'm so mad that I didn't get one. Yeah. But I've liked. Uh, I don't read a lot of current Batman comics, but all the ones I've liked have been black label uh tom king ruined batman for me i can't read his, the main stuff anymore i don't know who's writing him now well what what kind of got me off of like the main line yeah of batman sure... comics is a uh, was batman white knight yeah i'm talking mostly mainline comics like black label elseworld stories i still think those are good mm-hmm. um that, that's a whole separate discussion. That can be another bonus episode, I guess. Well, no, I think this is relevant to uh, Firestarter 2 because... Because uh, <laughs> I'm all the superheroes? Yeah. Just real quick, have you read Batman White Knight? Mm-hmm, I haven't read her White Knight. Okay, so the premise of it is that the Joker reforms. Yeah, become, becomes uh, a he, good guy. He, he runs for mayor and he tries to turn Gotham against Batman. Yeah. And I was... It's the rich billionaire that's the problem. <laughs> I was for it mm-hmm. until the final issue. I'm not going to spoil it because I do. I, I think you may read it eventually. I was livid. I've never been madder. Like the Jim Gordon thing doesn't even touch this. Wow. Because yeah. you were pretty mad about that. I was very mad about that. I uh. I stopped reading comics because they aged up Jonathan Kent. And. Oh, baby. And for about five years, a huge portion of the fan base was just like, just make him 10 again. Just make him 10 again. And what they do instead is put him in college and give him a boyfriend. And I don't even care that he has a boyfriend. I literally have a shirt that has him and Damian Wayne on it, encircled in a heart that I wear to the gay club all the time. My My problem is, is that... That is a huge signal that you're never going to get the Jonathan Kent you liked reading again. You could have written a young bisexual character. I would have been fine with it. But not, no, now I have to deal with 17-year-old John looking at his dad and saying, You didn't do enough for the planet. Yeah, because Clark has never done anything. 
Yeah. Um, That's my tangent. No, and that's a good segue into some young boys with superpowers. Yeah. Our our last character uh, we want to talk about. The boys. I don't want to talk about them all individually, just in a group. Because they're all... I mean, some of them have their own little character traits, but just generally, what did you think about the kids? Uh, I wasn't expecting it. Mm -hmm. I I wasn't expecting a group of people to attack Charlie using superpowers. Mm -hmm. And I will say that, okay, uh, you want to capture Charlie, that's probably what you have to do. Well, that's the thing, is like, in all of these different Firestarter stories, they keep going after Charlie with dudes in suits with guns. And I'm like, it's not gonna fucking work. Stop it. And especially when you get like her internal monologue in the book and she's looking up at this guy going, you know, one day I'm going to be able to fuck with the sun. Yeah. <laughs> that like, I don't know if people understand like how cosmic that actually is. Yeah. You're not going to get her with guns and trank darts again. It's not going to work now. Nope. So th- especially not that she's an adult and she walks around with a hiking backpack full of fire extinguishers. And uh, you, you might say that's, that, that this idea is a little campy. Or it's a little, it might come across as a little silly, but if you're sitting there and you're thinking about it, this is literally what you would have to do to try to get Charlie. I think that the premise of this miniseries is very good. It's a lot of the execution, the budget. And and most of that is, I think it needed a better script and more money. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there's a lot to enjoy in it. And then, of course, there is a lot to not enjoy. Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I think we could have done without that character entirely, (laughs) to be completely honest. But that's whatever. Okay, so moving on to scary shit. Scary shit. Scary shit. It is time to talk about scary shit. What shit was scary? What shit was not? It is time to talk about scary shit. Not scary at all? No, not scary at all. I think the the closest thing to scary was seeing the woman get asphyxiated by a plastic bag. Yeah. I wrote a uh, short story in high school where that happened to a woman because my teacher was afraid of being suffocated by plastic bags. <laughs> so I thought it was really... Okay. <laughs> so uh... my, uh, my teacher uh, wrote on that uh, paper... You're either going to grow up to be the next Stephen King or a serial killer. And we've yet to see which. <laughs> yeah. They haven't found the bodies yet. So far you've been a lot closer to uh, the latter than the former. No offense. That's <laughs> true. Um, the, some of the, the kids were... They were bordering on creepy, but not, like, really scary. Yeah. I don't know. I would have punched a lot of them in the face. Well, that's. I think that they didn't take the time to really find like quality kid actors. And I'll be honest, I don't think there's a lot of them. And also, like a lot of these characters had like two, three lines. There's a couple. Th- their best lines are when they're act- interacting with Rainbird. Yeah. Tell us a story about Charlie. Why I sit on your lap, Rainbird? <laughs> oh, so, snug and close. So for the Sci-Fi Channel, like how much motivation is there to spend a lot of time finding a great cast of kids when they have like a small role some of them have very few lines i mean they found a girl who could act like she was super horny really well yeah (laughs) maybe she really was maybe this this part just did it for i mean the two guys were not bad looking so yeah 
Still, Maybe. I still would have preferred Jim. Sure. <laughs> Maybe after this, we'll watch uh, Saving Silverman, <laughs> so you can get your my gym quota. Get your gym quota. <laughs> where, where were we? <laughs> talking about the scary things in this miniseries. <laughs> they don't exist. <laughs> There's, I even like, the fires I, were not. They they didn't look good. It, the effects were bad, but I real I also wouldn't expect it to have good effects. I, I still maintain that if you can't do something that's super visually driven, then you probably shouldn't try. And if you're doing a story about a, a pyrokinetic woman, you should be able to do good fires. Like, with this, the budget that they probably spent on this, which we don't know, mm-hmm. they they might have been able to make like a decent exploitation, let's get people murdered in a cabin movie. Yeah. I felt like the fire, the guys on fire in the original movie looked way better. It did. And I don't feel like that's like a, a I, budget I, I, thing. Because you just need the suits. Well, it's. Well, you have to pay people mm-hmm. that can be set on fire. Because not every stuntman has been trained to do it. But aren't they underpaid? They are underpaid. But you still have to. But if you can choose between that and CGI fire. <laughs> I guess you probably also have to pay for a certain amount of insurance. You've got to get the insurance. Uh, there's always risk involved when there's fire because you might burn down sets. And this was also that time in the early aughts where they were just overusing CGI, like because they th- oh look how amazing this technology is. Phantom Menace had come out three years before, and uh, Fellowship of the Ring was about to come out, and everyone thought they could do it. Yeah, and then it turns out that CGI also takes a lot of time and money to look good. So, uh, yeah, it. So I know you haven't seen the the newer Salem's Lot miniseries yet. <laughs> I can't wait. It's it's similar to this, where the special effects are just that special kind of bad. Okay. But that one I think is a lot stronger. It has a lot better script. Is it? It might also be more endearing. It is. Yeah. It definitely is. It also succeeds in some ways that the original Salem's Lot miniseries doesn't, but we'll, we'll save that because we're going to be doing Salem's Lot here in a few months. Yeah. Okay, so uh, kiss me, fat boy. Kiss me, fat boy. <laughs> Damn, Charlie is so horny. She is so freaking horny. I I thought it was legitimately cool uh, where her and Vincent are fucking in the hotel room. And she she gets up and she's I gotta go. And she runs out and he like gets up and he flips on the lights and then the room is like torched. I uh I would have still kept going. I would have been like <laughs> You can control it, Charlie, you can. Well he didn't know what uh it was a great parallel because you have the two different sex scenes the guy in the alley and then vincent in the hotel room yeah she cut she tries to stop at the first guy and he starts yelling at her screaming at her calling her bitch blah blah blah. and vincent he's like well we can stop if you want to did did i do something wrong please don't leave let's talk about this you know sharon showing the the parallels there this guy's this guy's a dick and this guy's not a dick you can't just get me all worked up, bitch. <laughs> so bad. I'm 
not going to say I wouldn't have also been upset. I mean, I'd be frustrated, but I probably would have chosen better words. I would not have called her a bitch. I would have been like, wow, I can't believe I got as far as I did. Do you think she could melt the condom? Yes. She set a dumpster on fire. I'm pretty sure she could melt the condom. What if it was a magnum? Did they go far enough with Rainbird for you in this one, or no? I think that this is actually, like, you don't want to make the character an actual pedophile, or you don't want to uh, actually have him sexually assault somebody on screen or in the book. This is what you do, and that's... Like I said, I think they're the retcon of Rainbird from the movie... It actually, it kind of works and is a little more true to the book's and, character. And Malcolm was willing to do all of that. He's like, yeah, I'll sniff her clothes. I'll kiss her. Fuck it. Look how hot she is. <laughs> I I bet she looked very beautiful wearing this. Did you tickle her black? <laughs> Until she fall asleep. Oh my god. She's have such you, a fucking creep. Have you fucked her? <laughs> I think maybe my favorite scene was where the FBI agents come to interview him and they they say where where's the other guy where's james he's like okay i'll bring you to him and he brings him to the dead body in the freezer there he is he's in there chilling (laughs) (laughs) i fucking love that guy yeah it was great Ah! oh my god are you stephen king no i'm dean Koontz. oh Um, I am. They should have just made a Rainbird movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so King and Coons. What what was your King? What was your Coons? My King was uh, Malcolm McDowell. (laughs) Every scene that he's in, I liked. Uh, My Coons. The bad CGI and not murdering the kid at the end. Yeah, I thought he died. It looked like she killed him. Dude, they just sitting there screaming, wailing like a child who has his testicles in a vice grip. Uh, my king is, I wanted to say, DC Comics flirting. Oh, yeah, that was good. That'll be our collective king. That'll be our collective king. I think the ballsy ending, like, choosing to kill Vincent instead of, like, letting them run off into the sunset together. Well, because he dies, he told her. Yeah, he told her. (laughs) Um, And then you get to have that kind of touching scene in the hospital at the end, like, your son helped me trust people again. That was was nice. And then also, like, they let Rainbird just, like, have everything he wanted there at the end. Yeah. I mean, yes, he dies and Charlie gets to live, but that's what he wanted. uh, What's that, that, that Thanos quote? The hardest choices require the strongest wills. The hardest choices require the strongest wills. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then for Koontz, I think I'm also going to say the effects that the practical effects were my king for the 1984 movie. Mm-hmm. So even with the issues that this one had with the script, I think if it had practical effects, then I would have been a lot more forgiving of those other things. Yeah. Granted, of course budget cgi is cheaper versus practical effects but still yeah you could do better sci-fi channel and i know you have done better i've seen sharknado i know you have it in you i've seen trimmers the tv series (laughs) i know you've done better i've seen sharktopus a lot of these are sharks okay uh so for rankings 
Uh, I think I'm going first. Yes, I am going first. Um, okay, so I'm just going to start from the bottom. Is it better than Phantoms? Yes, I think it's better than Phantoms. Is it better than Batman Gotham by Gaslight? Probably no, but I this did not piss me off as much <laughs> as Phantom Gotham by Gaslight did. So I'm going to put it higher. Uh, I'm going to put it higher than X. I think I'm even going to put it higher than The Stand 1994. And I think I'm going to put it higher than The Stand 2020, but I didn't like it as much as The Mist TV series. So my list is going to be The Mist film, Firestarter film, Mist TV series, Firestarter 2, Stand 2020, Stand 1994, X, Gotham by Gaslight movie, and then Phantoms. Hmm. E2. It's better than Phantoms. <laughs> there's a lot of dumb shit in the Stand 2020, but I there's also a lot of good stuff in it. Like, I really liked Harold. Yeah. I, and his cinematography was good. It looked good. Uh, the best parts of the Stand are way better than anything in Firestarter 2, but nothing made me mad yeah and fire started to like the stand miniseries you you know what i'm gonna put it right below the mist 2017 because it has malcolm mcdowell and he made me laugh oakley doakley so yours is miss film fire starter film x gotham by gaslight film miss tv series fire starter 2 Stay in 1994, stay in 2020, Phantoms. Yes, I'm. Um, just kind of looking ahead, even to like our unpublished schedule, it's going to be a minute before we see anything worse than Phantoms. Uh, and I know I'm not telling the audience what this is, but I think I even like this more than Phantoms. Yeah. It may not be till next year. That we find I some... mean, maybe the Uzumaki anime is just going to be real trash. It's got to be real bad yeah. to be worse than Phantoms. I don't know. All right, we'll see. Um, all right, so coming up on the Horror of Babylon, last week uh, we started It. You got our first episode on book one in the first interlude. Next week we're coming back Sunday, May the 15th, with It book two in the second interlude. The following week on Sunday, May 22nd, we're going to be finishing up our Firestarter coverage with an episode on the new movie. comes out that Friday. We'll see it on Friday. I'll edit the episode on Saturday, and we'll release it on Sunday, and then that'll be our last episode on Firestarter. The following week, May 29th, we are going to be covering It, Book 3, and the third interlude. First week of June, so we're, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about our June coverage. We are going to be doing an episode on Woe, which is an Indian television Whoa. series from 1998 that's an adaptation of Stephen King's It. It's about 50 episodes long. We are not going to cover the whole show. There's no way. We're going to watch the first couple and then just compare it to the earlier part of the book. Since at this point, we will only have covered three-fifths of the book. We're just going to compare the first few that, episodes to the book. That might be worse than Phantoms. Yeah, it might be. Uh, we, we've watched a little bit of it. I do like the drum. Yeah. Um, but... 
Yeah, and it, this is, I promise you, it's not going to be a situation like The Mist where it's, we're going to watch one episode and not do the rest. I promise you There's we are no not going to cover all 50 episodes. <laughs> There's no way. Uh, I have too much other shit I, mean, I enjoy. Yes. Then June 12th, it book four and the fourth interlude. Then June 19th, we are going to watch a documentary from 2021 called Pennywise the Story and Story of It. It is a making of documentary of the 1990 miniseries. Ooh, we're gonna. That's gonna be kind of our lead up until our our next episode. Our next adaptation episode will be the actual miniseries. So that's gonna be a hype episode. Then June 26th, last week of June, we are covering the last part of the book, book five in the fifth, or not the fifth interlude, but the the epilogue. Yeah. Uh, so that we'll finally finish up the book. Then the first week of July, we're going to cover It 1990, the two-part miniseries, which we are both huge fans of. We're going to piss some people off with our hot takes. Yes. Um, and, it, of course, we will also be covering the two It movies. I'm not going to go any farther on our schedule than, than that. We'll release the full schedule soon. But in July, we will be doing a movie, an episode on each of the two movies. Primarily be because we're going to be pretty positive in one and pretty pretty negative in the other, and I wanted to keep them separate. Yep. Yep. But um, yep. That's what we got coming up on the horror of Babylon. Please reach out to us on our socials if you have suggestions on books and movies to cover. If you just have questions or comments, uh, we definitely want to hear from you. And for our question for the audience this week, and this is also our homework. Ooh because we skipped homework. We did skip homework. Yes. Okay, so our homework was, if Charlie took all the kids and formed a superhero team, what would the, their team name be? What would superhero names, costumes, just anything? What? Okay, uh, the superhero team would be Charlie and the Firecrackers. <laughs> <laughs> she would be wearing uh, something right out of a Clive Barker film, something BDSM-y, because I am a degenerate. Uh, in my version, Rainbird is still alive and he is their Xavier. He is dressed as a priest and all the boys are altar boys. Is it inappropriate to call Xavier the X-Men's guy in the chair? <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, You're welcome to follow that up. Sure. Um, so, my version... Uh, yeah, mine's not as good. <laughs> but they... They drive around in a fire truck. <laughs> That's good. And Charlie wears a nun outfit, and all of the kids wear little firefighter costumes. They have the the helmets. They've got the big uh, jackets. They carry axes. And uh, if you've ever seen Fire Force, the anime, it's it's basically that. That's what I want. You want Fire Force? I want Fire Force, but Charlie's the nun. Okay, that's. I still need to watch Fire Force. You do, because you're gonna flip and love it. <laughs> hot take: It's better than My Hero, and I don't think that's a hot take. I think it's just. I think it's just true. But, I mean, I also think my dress-up darling is better than My Hero Academia. So I haven't seen that. So it's very good. And then our question for the listeners are: uh, What would your recommendations be to Charlie to take the edge off? Does she need a cold shower? Does she need to go for a walk, listen to some calming music? Like, how do you unhorny yourself? And I, I'm not sure masturbation is a 
is an option for her. She just should just practice edging. <laughs> See, I, I think the issue is she can't get herself fired up. <laughs> so what do you do? You go for a walk? Like, go for a swim in the cold ocean? I don't know. The, the, the list of things that turn me off is actually pretty small. Okay, so uh, reach out to us on social media and uh, give us your recommendations on how Daniel, I mean Charlie, can settle down. Um, more than a cold shower, because it's going to take more than that. Uh, thank you very much for recording with me tonight, Daniel. Stay scary. Ralph! 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 You've done grand, laddie. Now you know what you have to do. Burn the house down. Burn them all! Well, that was horrendous. I would tell you boys good job, but the dryness of my sarcasm would likely evaporate all the moisture in both your bodies. Anyway, if you want to hear more of this, try please subscribe to their YouTube channel by searching for The Horror of Babylon. You can follow them on Twitter at HorrorPod69. The Facebook page is under The Horror of Babylon. And on Instagram, these fools are The Horror of Babylon, one word. Reach their assuredly empty inbox at thehorrorofbabylonpodcast at gmail.com. You can also request their Discord server link via any other channel. And finally, if you are foolish enough to support this abomination financially, search for The Horror of Babylon on Patreon.com. And God save your soul if you do.